We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are very pleased. You know, we always talk to legendary Notre Dame players. And today is no different right here, hump day right here. We're going to give you one of the brutes and one of the greatest, one of the, look, the NFL is pretty much littered. We lost a legend at Notre Dame when Harry Heastan stepped away. And not only does he leave a legacy at Notre Dame, but you look at the NFL right now and he left his mark his mark is all over the nfl yeah. and one of those songs in chicago he has chicago yes. offensive line specifically absolutely <laughs> and we bring one of those irish sons on to the lucky lefty podcast right now former notre dame offensive lineman now tampa bay buccaneers offensive lineman robert hainsey joins us on the lucky lefty podcast how you doing today, Robert? I'm good, fellas. How you doing? Shaw Malik, good to see you guys. Thanks for having well, me here. Normally, I would say you're probably doing much better down there in Florida than us, but yeah. I'm actually dealing with a 60-degree day here in Chicago. It's actually 60 degrees today. So, oh we, yeah, we got pretty lucky today. So I want to start here. Uh, I don't think – I got the, my first time – Spending spring, of course, with COVID and everything. Last year was my first time really spending the spring around Harry Heastan after his return to Notre Dame. And I don't think people really understand from an outsider looking in. You hear about the legend, but like I'm going to miss. He is like in the audio mix of practice. Like I, it's it's going to be troubling for me going to practice this spring and not just hearing that voice over everything else way down the field. Like, okay, Harry's here. It's going to yep. be a different sound. It's going to be weird probably for the first couple of days. And also not being – this is what I saw. He would always talk to the offensive linemen, but I would see the running backs go up to him after a play and say, man, did I see that right? Or is there something else I should be looking for? I, I don't think people really understand the shoes that are about to be filled that that – Joe Rudolph is stepping into, but he leads, he cast a really big shadow at the University of Notre Dame. Just talk about Harry Heastan, what he meant to you personally and what he means to the university. Yeah, I mean, I can't really say enough good things about Coach Heastan. I think he's in the top two, three people in my life that I owe what I have as a football player to. The things that he commanded in expected of you and the standard that was set when he got there with Zach and Watt and I continued with Nick and Ronnie and Mike and Q and Sam, myself, Liam, Tommy, Banks, all these guys. Like that is something that really can't be put into words. And you saw it this last year. Like I, I love my favorite part about not being at Notre Dame and there's not many things, but it's being a fan and getting to watch the games because every every game I watched this year and I'm you know, I remember being a freshman and him being like, 
these old guys watching the game, they're watching you guys. They're watching yeah. the offensive line play. <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. And now I'm watching the offensive line play, and that's all I do. And I'm like, I'm like, what are they doing? How are they doing? And, like, I watched them get better and better and better this whole year as a group, as a unit, and as individuals. I mean, they got some, they got some dudes up there. And I think that, you know, I experienced it after my freshman year, Coach Eastad left and we had Coach Jeff Quinn, who did a great job with us for those three years. But it was, you know, it's still different. And what they're going to have to do with those young guys and Joe and Blake and the older guys of the room like Zeke, what they're going to have to do is do everything in their power to not let that standard drop at all. Because every coach is different. And I don't, I've never been around a coach like Harry. I think there's some out there, but I haven't been around a coach. Like, that's just the way he is. That's just so the without, way he is. Just the exactly, way. Just, just without that, you have to be extremely diligent as an individual and hold each other accountable as a group to keep that. Or it goes away quickly. It really does. Like, you don't – you go into practice when he's your coach and you're like, oh, man, here we go. But those are the things that made us great and made us compete the way we did with each other. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's interesting. You just said that. I watched a mic'd up video. I don't know if you remember this from 2019 season. Uh, Notre Dame media had you mic'd up for a practice. Yeah. Yeah. And you you come out and you're like telling everybody else, like, yo, I'm I'm mic'd up. Like, you see that camera right there? I'm mic'd up. (laughs) <laughs> and they were like, what do you mean you think you're mic'd up? Either you're mic'd up or you're not. But, it was, but you took so much time during practice talking about the change that was made. It was almost you took it upon yourself to make sure that the young guys understood the standard that was set by Harry. He's saying even though you had a new coach, is that something you expect Joe Alton, Blake Fisher, and Zeke Carell to kind of grab the reins in that same type of mentality? to make sure that things stay the same, even though different things are being asked from a new coach. Man, they better. But I think they will because, you know, for me, I took a ton of pride in coaching up younger guys as I got older, because when I was a freshman, like I was playing right, I was playing left tackle that spring and then moved to right. And like, I spent a ton of time with Mike and Q because they were the seniors, they're the older guys. And I was like, I remember doing drills in the weight room with Mike all the time, like afternoons in the spring, just being like, Hey, can you come do this? Or, Hey, can we watch film? Let's watch my one-on-ones and do that stuff. So like I knew what it meant to me to have those guys. So I hoped that as I got older and I could be that figure that it would mean the same thing to them. And I mean, even like last spring, um, yeah, last spring I was back there with uh, Tommy Kramer and like, we watched some film with the group and then like Joe Walt texted us and was like, Hey, can you guys watch some film? We're like, absolutely dude. Like that's what yeah. we're here for. Yeah. So I think that those guys will remember that and hopefully they take that into their own role of being like the coach. Cause that's what it's always been. 
we had guys come back and then the, the older guys were coaching the younger guys because I don't know. That's just what we always did. It's just, yeah. It's just a thing to do. Yeah. What was, what's that standard like and how much did it change once you got into the NFL from, I mean, I'm sure you're not traveling in the pack like you was at Notre Dame with the guys. <laughs> so how much of a difference did you notice when you went to the NFL? Yeah, it's definitely different. Comparing it, like if I were to, if you compare it to like what it's like when HH is there, like you had to do those things or <laughs> you had to, or if you're the older guy, like you're getting reamed for it. You can't not do it. Like, what are you like? What are you doing? Like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's like, it's more like, he's like, what are you doing? like shocked that you wouldn't walk out together as a group, which <laughs> is something I loved about Notre Dame. And I think I realized that, um, while I was there, I was like, man, I might, I probably never have a group like this or a team like this of like people I'm this close to, which like we have a great group in Tampa. Like I love my group, but it, you know, it's, it's college. We all live together. We spend a lot of time there. And then now people have families, you know, how everyone says it. it's, that's, that's a real thing. So it's different, but like, that's a special bond that like we had as Notre Dame offensive lineman. And that like, anytime you meet anyone that played for HH, like, you have like an automatic bond. You're like, oh, <laughs> I know what you went through. I, I feel you know, exactly. Like you know what it's about. I know. I know you. I know you've been through it. So like, I already have a immediate respect for you. <laughs> so just sticking with that, your time with Tampa this year was a very trying season. You lose your all all pro center right at the beginning of the training camp, and now you're pushing to service to be a center. Yeah. Yeah. Were were you prepared to do that because of your time with Harry Heastan and being in Notre Dame, having that versatility and being ready to ready to be inserted and snap the ball to the goat in his last season? You didn't know that going into the season, but yo, you spent the last season as his primary center. That had to be pretty special. Absolutely, and it's it's been an interesting transition. Like, I only played tackle at Notre Dame and in high school. So, like, I never played center. I knew <laughs> going to, like, the senior bowl that teams were probably going to want me inside, center, or guard, which, whatever, like, I'll do I'll do whatever. I ended up playing a little center at the senior bowl, which I didn't plan on doing. I hadn't, I hadn't really worked on it, but I was just like, ah, well, let's do it. Just jump in, let it rip. And did all right, did pretty good, but I think that's, that helped me. That showed, like, teams that, like, I can do it and that they can help develop me. And, like, my rookie year, no way I could have done what I did this year. Wasn't even close to ready. Got through camp and was like, what is this? I was like, it was, it was, I was like, man, I'm bad. And that's, that's okay. That's okay. Like, I was playing a new position, and I had to yeah. figure it out. But as that year went on, and I got to play a little bit and practice a little bit and get more confident, and uh, I was working with a guy, A.Q. Shipley, who I don't know if you guys know or have met before, but unbelievable guy. Played 12 years out of Penn State. Ended up yeah. retiring that Super Bowl year. That my rookie year, what stayed as our assistant coach because he's been part. Of, he's been with that staff a lot of his career. So, aside from Coach Goodwin, who is our primary offensive line coach or run game coordinator, who coaches like the guards and centers, I was on AQ's hip all the time. I was. Yeah. And this and this might be a this might be a hairy thing like. Cause I, I, it's not like everyone does it, which to me is like, why not? But oh, like it's a mentorship. Yes, reaching like, uh, out for the the mentorship kind of thing. But like, it's like, oh, you could stay a little longer and go watch the scout team film with him and work on your technique, yeah. or oh, you could do a little extra drills with him on an off day. Like, yeah, to me, yeah. that was like, of course you do that. That's what you. That's what you do. That's what you always do. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's crazy to me to think that you wouldn't do that because of Coach Easton to bring that back. That's right. But so I worked with him a ton and he was like, give me a lot of help in playing center. And he decided not to keep coaching. He's doing the media thing now. He's on Pat McAfee show. But in the off seasons, about this Saturday, I'm about to head out there. I go to Arizona. I spend, I stay with him. Well, I stay by myself, but I train with him. And it's just me and him. Mm -hmm. And we train and we lift and we do drills every day for wow. about a month until I go back to OTAs and I'll go back out in the summer. And that's what I did this last off season and what I'll continue to do. So that was like, for me, I didn't even know what position I was going to be playing when I got back to camp. So I had spent time working on center and a lot working on left guard. 
So I was kind of ready to get back with Jensen there and be like, all right, I'm going to go win this left guard job. Yeah. Three days into camp without pads on, Jensen gets hurt, which was terrible. Hated that for him because he's taught me a ton too. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's kind of where – that's how it ends up. And so I'm like, okay, well, here I am. And from then, same thing. Like I was confident and ready and knew that I was going to start. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be a starter this season. In my mind, I guess it was probably left guard. It ended up being center. And I was like, take this and run. And I did the best I could throughout the season, you know, and tried to just continue getting better at working on things. And when things weren't working, I was go back to basics. That's 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 a, that's a quotable Harry word. Back to basics. You go back to basics. You go back to drawing board and figure out what you got to do and be intentional with it. That was a big thing. Like intentionality with what you're doing. And you can go out and go through the motions and individual, but, or you can be extremely intentional in everything you do and you will see results. And I did. So that's kind of a little full circle with the, how I got with AQ. Cause he never was like chasing me around. I was like, Hey, can we do this? Can we do that? I think, I think he, and he's like, he ended up really liking that for me. And I think that's probably the reason why he was like, Hey, I'll do this. Like, I see promise in what you can do. I like the way you work. I enjoy working with you, so let's do it. So that's kind of how that ended up. And then this season, I'm really proud of how it went. You know, played started 17 games, got to play a lot, played with some great players, obviously with Tom too. I mean, he's the unbelievable teammate and leader and taught me a ton. So getting to like talk about like the run game with him, protections, and see how he sees things. I mean, it's invaluable information for a second-year player. <laughs> So how tough was it for you? Oh, no, uh, I just want to say Lucky Lefty you? podcast. We have <clears throat> Robert Hainsey on with us. I just wanted to make sure people that are joining in know who we're talking to. Former Notre Dame <laughs> offensive lineman Robert Hainsey. Go ahead, Lef. Go ahead. Yeah, like you definitely got to throw the promo in there for sure. But I definitely want to ask 17 games. It's not like a college season. No. So, how important, or or at what point in the seventeen game stretch were you like, all right, this is, it's getting a little lengthy. I gotta, re, you know, not get bored with the process. How did you not get? I'm not gonna say bored, but yeah. stay up with the seventeen game season. <laughs> well, it's a well. I guess since it wasn't my rookie year, that helps because at least I knew like how long the season was. Like I've been through one. I didn't really play, but like I had been through it, and you're still like, wow, like we're still playing. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. But um, I think just I enjoy the game of football and I enjoy the intricacies of football. And one, going to the NFL, and two, going to center, I had to learn it in a different way. Mm. And uh, last year was like everything was coming at once. Like I'm trying to figure it all out. This year I'm in it, and I have a much better understanding to start of what our offense is and how we're doing things. So this year it was a lot of fun for me to like, you know, think about try. I was trying to think about it like a coach, like how are we dissecting this defense? What are we going to do? Mostly in the run game because the pass is the pass. But like that was really interesting to, for me. So each week was like a new challenge in that respect, which was which was a lot of fun. Yeah, they're like a puzzle puzzle game almost. Exactly. And so that's that, that keeps you kind of going, keeps you thinking about how are we going to do this, or when whenever they bring on the run game plan, you're like, oh, I really like this. I love the way you're, I love the way we're doing this. So that's a a great way, and I got that from AQ. You know, he's he's been in this, he was in this offense for a long time, so he knows it in out backwards. So like, I think I kind of know it, and then I talk to him, I'm like, dang, <laughs> studying, which I will, and I and I have been, so it's good, and it's so it's a cool has like increased. Like in terms of the intricacies, like you thinking, you know, it's just the box, but it, it turns into so much more when you know an offense because you said he's been in doing it for so long. Oh, yeah. And so that probably helps you kind of expand your knowledge on football in a lot of ways. 100%. And like we're tra- when we're trained, like, you know, half the time we're just bullshitting, talking about whatever. And the other half, it's like, oh, let's talk. We're talking about football, not like on purpose, but like it's just what we talk about. <laughs> I'll like be I'll be like sitting one afternoon thinking about something. I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll bring that up to him. And then we'll talk for like 30 minutes about like one play or <laughs> one thing. And just because like we just he'll just, he goes on a tangent and I'm just like sitting there trying to soak it all in because I'm like that he just loves it. Oh, that it. Makes sense. It. He's not just talking about anything. Like it, it's 
Barry, he knows exactly what he's he's trying to say, and he says it well. So when it comes to like learning the game of football, it's he's an unbelievable resource. Man, that's amazing that you talk about that because I've had the opportunity to be around Malik, former teammates, the brotherhood that I try to tell people like until you experience the Notre Dame football brotherhood, it's unlike any other. What's your favorite? story with Quentin and Mike. Like, take us back. Because first of all, the fact that we've taken a vote, I don't know if you know this, we've taken a vote of other players we've had on the show, and Mike McGlinchey is hands down winning as the best basketball player. Oh, for sure. In Notre Dame football. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And they're like, yo, Mike could who? Like, I do. <laughs> yeah, he can. That's an athlete. He can. He actually He's super really athletic playing basketball, and then he gets stiff sometimes playing tackle. I'm like, just put the basketball fluid yeah. with the football. You straight. You straight. But what's no, the was, moment with those guys? I mean, it was just we all like the another thing too is not, and I know a lot of probably college teams do this, but like like I said, how close we were, and every like uh, there would be like a summer camp, like the big Irish invasion, maybe summer camp. And after that, all the coaches would leave and go on recruiting. And so it was just us. And we're like, you could like finally breathe for a second. <laughs> like that was always when we did like after that camp that evening, we'd always do like a barbecue, our O-line barbecue, and just everyone on the O-line. And then the tight ends, probably two quarterbacks, a bunch of the team would end up there. How much after meat, how much meat was that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not like it was like it was like the frozen burgers and dogs from like okay. Costco. Like, oh yeah, you, you, you got to get like four hundred oh, burgers. Got to get it. Made, made it work. <laughs> um, but those are always anytime we got together as a group, and we did a lot. Always a good time. Like it was just everyone had diff, there was all these different personalities. Like, and Mike and Q are super different because Mike was like always like he's super eccentric you know he's like that guy he's always singing he's always he's always dancing doing that kind of shit so. he can sing too mike can sing too oh he's, he will he loves to sing <laughs> so the two of them but like just that whole group together anytime anytime we got together it was always a good time and as a as a freshman like that was always so cool because you're like oh just we're all hanging out together but you look up to these guys a ton and so then that's another thing we always made sure to do is like anytime we get together, it's like, hey, everyone come over. And then certain guys like, you know, certain guys are quieter than others and less social than others. But like you'd be like, no, like you're coming to the house and we're all going to like hang out together and party. You can leave after a while, but like you have to come and you have to spend time together. Yes. Like it was a it was like mandatory. Like you have to. Yeah, it was like a mandatory hangout session for sure. It was was cool. It was. was. We had to. It's like this is what we do, and like you're gonna be a part of the group. You can't just be a part of the group in the goog. Like you gotta be a part of the group all the time. All the time. (laughs) And that's where the that's where the pack comes from. Where they just be herding around together. (laughs) Exactly. That's the best. It's the best because, like, even when you go back now and like I see them all, you see them all walking together, and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah." We don't have to do it now, but they just start naturally doing it. They're like, "That's what it's about." Yo, which is crazy because I was talking to one of the kids that came in the twenty three class, offensive lineman Charles Jagasaw, and that was the one thing. There were two things that stood out for him in the recruitment. He was like, "I came and everybody moved together," and he said the second thing was. Harry teaches the backups just as hard as he teaches the starters. Yeah. He was like, that's, he said, that impressed me the most. He said, because I know coming in, I'm going to be a backup. And he yep. said, seeing that, he was like, it sold me on the program. Yeah, exactly. And I hope uh, Joe Ruloff, right? The new, yeah. And I hope he takes, I never, I don't know him. Um, I know he was at what, Virginia Tech before this? Virginia Tech and Wisconsin before that. Wisconsin, yep. yeah. And you know Wisconsin always has had a great a great standard as an offensive lineman. So I think that you know those are the but those are the things that make you know the great coaches great because like even with Harry, I remember like everyone's like, oh, you better learn how to play defense because if you have a battle <laughs> on defense, it's over. <laughs> like, but that's oh, like man. another little thing part of the standard. <laughs> like, you have to do if you're given a bad look, like you're getting you're getting 
it's gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, you get cussed out for not playing good defense on yeah. the offensive drill. Like you gotta really because yep. he'll be like, Are you gonna are you gonna do anything or you just gonna stand there? Like, he's gonna get yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. Lucky Lefty Podcast, former Notre Dame offensive lineman, current NFL Tampa Bay Buck in the offensive lineman. Robert Haynes, he joins us, joins us right here. Let's get to some moments. Moments. What was the moment you knew Notre Dame was the place as oh, you were being recruited? I, know, I remember exactly where I was. I was – so I was at IMG. I went down to IMG those last two years of high school. And I had plenty of offers. I knew I wanted to see what Notre Dame was about, though. And I was, like, telling my parents, I, like, I want to figure it out. So, like, we – I don't even know. I think I, I talked to Coach Denson a lot. We just yeah, got the job. Yeah, shout out to yeah, he's got the running back job at the Cardinals. I saw on Twitter. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, congrats. But I was like, we got to figure this out. So I think I was high school sometime. Um, I think I want to say in the spring, or maybe in the in the spring, I went up with my dad. I was like, I want to go check it out. I don't remember exactly how I got there. They hadn't offered me. But when I got there, you know, I met with Coach Eastan for a long time, saw everything, did all the other recruit stuff, and then they and they offered me, and I was like, "Thank you, Blake." I and then like I knew when I left, <laughs> I need my mom to get here. I was like, I need to go, I need to take my mom because I need her to see it because like I think this might be it. I remember we were there um, again doing all the recruit stuff. We were having lunch at the Jordan Hall of Science. You guys remember was that that uh, yeah. building? And like, uh, it's, it's like, like, like it's the Sistine Chapel, like it's unbelievable. It's crazy. And I remember sitting there at lunch with my mom, just us to a table. I'm like looking around, like, like looking at the ceiling painted, like feeling that feeling. And I was like, I want to come. I was like, this is it. I was like, this is where I'm going. <laughs> and she's like, well, don't say anything. Like, relax. Because like, obviously, I had to tell my dad stuff. So that was probably like a Saturday. I remember going home, telling my dad. And then, like that Tuesday, I called Coach Eastan and Coach Kelly, and was like, "Hey, I'm t- this is where I'm coming. This is it." Now, was Eastan? Ex- did he give you an excited? Or what was the response? He's like, "All right, that sounds good. I'll see." Outstanding. You good. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was excited. Um, he was excited. I don't remember at the time. I just remember calling him, being like, "Hey," and then he put me on the phone with Coach Kelly, and and that was that. Yeah. No, I early enrolled. I went in January, so. Oh, Talk about that. Like, what what's that like for a, a freshman early enrollment? Like, coming in and it was was this Coach Bayless at that time? Coach, yeah. Coach Bayless and I got there at the exact same time. Yeah. Like, oh, that's y'all was changing. That's what y'all was changing everything up. Y'all went yeah, the like staff was changing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, now. best thing I could have ever done. You know, when I was down at IMG, it's a little bit different, so it's all kind of set up to do that. Probably wouldn't have been able to do that if I stayed at Gateway back in Pittsburgh, which, but for me, like, it's what I needed to do. And, like, the reason I went to IMG was, like, that was a big decision in itself. But my thoughts was, like, okay, I want to do all these things. I want to go to the NFL. I I say I want to do all these things. If I really want to do them, like, I have to do this, which being go to IMG. And I'll say that that's probably the second best decision I ever made after going to Notre Dame because it set me up for success. So I early enroll. I get to spend that spring with them. Um, it was that left tackle. I remember that, like, right before we left for summer, Coach Easton was like, hey, be ready to work at right tackle. Because it was, like, Mike, Q, Sam, Bars. And then right tackle was, like, Tommy and Liam. Yeah, Liam, like, You're yeah. going to work in the right tackle. I'm like, okay. We go to camp. We're bouncing around. Me and Tommy end up rotating with the ones at right tackle kind of towards the end-ish of camp, beginning of the season. So we're, like, splitting reps, like, right down the middle. Yeah, and we never really knew what was going to happen. And then I remember being in the locker room. We played Temple, going to play Temple my freshman year. And like I guess we kind of suspected, but Coach Eastan never said it. And he, I remember being in the locker room, like, you guys are going to rotate this. You guys are going to rotate. I was like, all right, cool, sounds good. <laughs> so for that whole season, Tommy kick off like <laughs> you about to. I know. He's like, we'll just do both, like whatever. <laughs> so for that whole season, and people think this is crazy, and looking back, it is pretty crazy. But that whole season, Tommy Kramer and I rotated every series. He started most of the games, and then I would come in the next series, and we go back and forth the whole like season. down the middle. <laughs> Except, yeah, we both ended up with like 
around 500 snaps or like high 400s, like very similar snap counts. There was funny because like if it was like obvious pass, like two minute, I would go in. Yeah, so um, they, the defense would know. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it was like two minutes anyway. And Tommy will tell you this: I was a better pass protector than him at the time. So I'm not. I don't feel bad <laughs> about saying that. Tommy's my best friend. Um, so like, if it was obvious pass, I would go in. And like, there was like, we played Miami that year when we got smoked in Coral Gables or whatever. So like, I played like 90 percent of snaps that game. He like Tommy had like 15 snaps the whole game, just because the whole game was obvious pass. I ended up playing most of it. There was another game where. It just so happened, like, he had all the snaps, just kind of how it worked out, and I didn't have very many. But over the course of the season, it evened out, which was a really cool experience because, like I said, very uncommon. But it worked for us. The next year, he kicked in the right guard, and I say that right tackle, and we played next to each other for the next three years. So pretty awesome uh, pretty awesome experience doing that. And, like, that – like, so my point was the early enroll thing prepared me to be able to do that. If I just came in the summer, there's no way – I was doing yeah. that. No way. Yeah, yeah. I believe that. I think I would have been fine in the long run, but not like – I don't know if that's how it would have happened. So, for me, 100% bought in. Also, like everyone's like, you missed your last little bit of high school. I'm like, dude, yeah. looking back yeah. now, thank God I wasn't <laughs> in high school. <laughs> that's part of the reason I went to IMG. I was like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> and so, I was 16, and I was like, all right, I'm going to move to Florida, I guess, and figure it out. And I figured it out. So, Yo, so you talk about that 2017 season, but I want to talk about how it led to 2018, right? Because 2017 started like, yo, this could be it. Like, yeah. this could be a season. You guys were blood, you were bludgeoning teams. In we the were unranked. That's the number three. Yeah. Before we lost, before Miami. lost to Miami. And if you guys win that game, you had a couple of opportunities, a couple of deep yeah. passes that were, man, missed just barely. That could have changed the outcome of that game. But then yeah. you come back in 18. Are you guys coming into the 18 season feeling like, you know what, we, we let go of the rope a little bit. Let's go ahead and make sure we get to you know, our destination, which ultimately led to the college football playoff. Yeah, I think um, – you know what's funny about 2018? I think about it, and when I think back, we didn't – we were 12-0, and 0, and there was almost – and we'll, we'll talk about this sometimes, but, like, remember, like, that season? Like, we didn't lose a game, and it almost felt like we lost every game. Like, even the games we blew guys out, like, it was like – it felt like the coaches were not pleased. Um, it was like, oh, keep, keep going. And we just kept winning. Um, but that's the one thing I remember about that. And I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not. I think that first year of Coach Bayless has a lot to do with it. I think his standard um, – Oh, yeah. The way he ran things and like the respect I have for him as a coach is unbelievable. So we, at that point, we had about a full one and a half years with him, like going in, like time to go. Um, and I think we we're just we put a good team, we put a really good team together, and we had a good like the sometimes the schedule at Notre, like schedule at Notre Dame is you win all your games, you're in the playoff. The schedule lined up well, you know, because we didn't have any. We had some we had some good games. I mean. Michigan opened the year up with Michigan beat them. So that's a huge start. The whole offseason felt like it was just to play Michigan sometimes. It was like, all we got to do is beat Michigan. <laughs> like, it was our only game that season. Yeah. Going, so. Get to the playoff. And obviously, you don't really finish. You don't finish. Like, put Notre Dame out there as, hey, this, we can make it. And the next couple of years, like my senior year, we made it back, too. So. Yeah. It was a, it was a cool. It was a cool ride for sure. Tough matchups, right? Getting Clemson one year in the semifinal and then getting Alabama. Yeah, I mean, 2020. Yeah, you know, as good as we were, as good as we were those years, which my senior year, we were really good. I thought, I thought that was one of the better teams. As good as we were, man, they were playing a different caliber of football. Yeah, they just, they just were like they just were, and I don't know where you make up that difference when you're Notre Dame. Um, I thought I think now, about when you say the difference though. What, what like the difference? Like explain when you say the difference, because you know I believe just like you're saying, you were good all in all aspects. You know, run the ball, throw the ball. You can play great defense. You got veteran leadership. You got some first round talent on the team. 
yeah. but that's just not the same. <laughs> no, they had, I mean, like we had some first round, like our most talented player, our highest drafted player after that year was Wu, Jeremiah Wusu Kamora. And he was a yeah. stud. Stud. I mean, they had between Devontae Smith and Mac Jones, or uh, not Mac, well, him too, but Devontae Smith and Najee Harris. I mean, oh. like they were, <laughs> like those two players oh. are, there was, there's, there's very few people. There was very few people in college that could guard them. And they're still like, and they're still hard to play against in the NFL. Like they're just really, really, really good players. And they have an unbelievably coached team. And they're unbelievably that was the one thing I loved. It's like you play bad teams. I remember playing like Syracuse that year, and they were just wouldn't shut up. Their whole thing, like wouldn't shut up. I'm like, guys, we're we're destroying like, 30 something. I don't, I don't remember what the score is, but we were winning. I was like, this is brutal. Alabama, like on the field, one of the most disciplined teams I played. Like Really? Like even their D linemen, which D linemen are known for that kind of stuff. They were not, they weren't like that. Like they were like a respectable team or a very respectable opponent. And I did respect that. Like those are things you notice that you might not know if you're not on the field with them. So, but they're just, you know, sometimes like, like, like it's a good battle. It's not like a, yeah. they're going to try to do some cheat to, to win. The, they're just going to play the game. No, it's like when you watch like MMA and you see two great fighters try to kill each other for 25 minutes and afterwards they're like, Dude, good that fight. Was good. <laughs> that was good fight. <laughs> it's like that's what it is. Man, they got a heck of a you see a USC coming up with John Jones. John Jones. Yeah, yeah. that this is gonna you know, be a good. One. Yeah, yeah. I think that's got that might go to full like that might be that type of match you just talked about. Like at the end, you're like, man, I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. Yeah, that, this Volkanovski fight a couple weeks ago was phenomenal. Yeah. If you saw that one, but, um, but yeah, so that was just, you know, those, those are the, the, the differences. It's hard to quantify and I don't really know where it is. Like, I don't know how to, how you do that. Because like I said, like with that team we had in 2020, I would have put us up against anyone and we did. And then we, we, you know, we beat Clemson in the regular season, which was awesome. Lost to an ACC championship and then lose to Alabama. So, you know, that's how it ends. And that's how it ends. Like, Alabama won the national championship that year, I think. And then the year we lost to Clemson in the playoff, Clemson won the national championship. So I guess there might be yeah. a little bit of stalls in that, but still lost. Yeah, they had, they had to go through us. They had to go through us. <laughs> <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And that's, it's interesting to hear that from you guys because the fan base, the Notre Dame fan base, that's what they that's what they sit and ponder. Like, okay, how can we get take that next half step to get over the hump, to be able to win one of these semifinals and just get to the national championship and give ourselves an opportunity? And I guess the question could be like, maybe you just answered it. Like, as you walked off the field in those games, did you think, we can beat these guys. We, we, man, we could have beat them. Or did you think like, man, I don't know what we need to do to be able to match up against these type teams? Well, I think we could, like you, you're all, we, we could beat them. Yes. That day we didn't Do things like have to go hundred percent right for us. Uh, for sure. You know, they won, they were the better teams those days, but like that difference. Yeah. Like, you know, ultimately, that's that's Coach Freeman's job. And I think from what I've seen, like, this last year, a few bumps, whatever. Like, you don't go to the playoff every year. 
You don't right. go 12-0 every year. That's not super realistic, but you're going to have a, a – you're going to end up in a window of time where you can make these runs. And the goal is to get in that window and play your best football in that window because you have to have the right people and the right players. So, our, like, changes always happen with, like, quarterback change or coaching changes, new offensive coordinator. Like, it's football. There's changes fluidly throughout the entire season with injuries and everything and in the offseason with the stuff that's going on now. So, as those things go, like, it's up to it's up to the coaches to put it all together. And I think they will. I think Coach Freeman, when I talk to him, I love talking to him. I think he's done a great job. I think we'll continue to do a great job. And I think that being at Notre Dame and, like, the way he's recruited, and I don't follow recruiting heavily. I follow, like, a couple – like, some of the Notre Dame accounts on Instagram where I'll see, like, we have, like, the fourth best class in, like, the country. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. So getting those, getting those five stars and those players who are going to do really well and also probably at this point, taking advantage of the whole transfer thing and the NIL thing and figuring out a way for like, that's, that's a landscape that's going to change college football completely. And I have no idea how, but it'll be this next five to 10 years is going to be incredibly interesting on that front. I think. So big time question. You didn't have an opportunity to see yourself in college football from a gaming standpoint. EA sports is bringing college football back. Yeah. Are you going to create yourself? Uh, well, you remember how on NCAA 14, you could yeah. like every year you could keep playing it, but download some some crazy person would go create every roster. Roster and download it. So maybe I could get it and then maybe I could find like go back and get like the 2020 roster and play with Notre Dame then. You're right. That would be cool. That would be cool because they do that yeah. for like, uh, yeah, for NBA 2K and yeah. all the other games. You're right. I never thought about that. That's a pretty smooth way to do it because I think. There are a lot of players that missed out on being able to have that experience. Like Malik, I said, I think Malik said he just created himself for different teams when he was in high school. He would just put himself oh, yeah. at quarterback. I, so, guess, yeah. I, did, I did play one game of Madden. I have, I have, like, we got, we get Madden. We get, like, yeah. a code for it. I don't know if the NFL gets it or if I got it through my agent or whatever. I was like, all right, I'll download it. I did play one game. I played one game as the Bucks <laughs> with myself in there just so I could I do it. How did that go? I think we won. I think we were playing the Chiefs. It was like the Super Bowl match rematch. <laughs> I was like, I was just dicing them up, calling the plays. Give me your favorite moment inside of Notre Dame Stadium. Beating Clemson, hands mm. down. That was that was really cool. And like the coolest part about that was like you know it's COVID. So first of all, fifteen thousand fans made it feel like eighty, which was outstanding and i love that's one thing i love about notre dame is like uh, people here I'm, I'm in texas right now my girlfriend rose at texas and i've talked to some people like they play bad like if they if texas plays a bad team like the stadium won't fill up if alabama plays a really bad team I, i've heard like the stadium won't fill up when we if we play a team that's like you know not necessarily our caliber like it's not like we're playing clemson but like we played you know like smaller schools yeah our stadium still fills up and there's still eighty thousand people there cheering and that year we only got up to like 15 with all the COVID and stuff. COVID. Yeah. But we go beat. I mean, that game was just awesome. Double overtime, all the things that happened. I remember like Kyron, I think um, Kyron fumble or something. And he was like killing himself for it on the sideline. I'm like, and I love Kyron. He's an unbelievable guy and player. And I was like, dude, we're going to get this back. And then we get the ball back. I think the fourth quarter and I'm like, um, and I'm like, hey, we're getting this ball. We're going down the field. We're going to score. We're going to go to overtime. Like, it's going to happen. Let's yeah. let's go. Let's believe it. And we did. Overtime happens. We finish, and everyone's just run on the field. And it was just like I got goosebumps thinking about it. Like, it was unbelievable. And one of the cooler things, too, was I remember after leaving, walk, just walking back to the car, like a student, some, I don't even know him. Some guy came up to me. He was a student. He's like, he was just like, thank you. And I was like, you're welcome. He was like, you have no idea like what this means to us. And wow. I was like, you have no wow. idea what this means to me, but you're wow. welcome. Because like that, all anyone wanted that year was normalcy, was something to be excited about because, you know, that we couldn't go to class for a while. Like everything was just so strange on campus. It wasn't, it wasn't what it should be for college. And so that was like, I think that meant just a lot to everyone who was there and like just made people happy. 
It yeah. made me happy too. That was a classic game. I mean, you guys first first play from scrimmage, just buck sweep. Yeah, down, down the left I'm, side line. Did I mean did 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 you guys set that up all week saying, look, if we won if we run this right, it's gonna be a big play. And you know, it's one of those games where just you like you said, you know, we if we play the way we can play, like we're gonna win and we can win. And even with, you know, like some mistakes we had, like um like Ian on that scramble fumbled at the, um, the, the yeah. south end zone. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like we're about to score in the red zone. And you know, those things happen. Yeah. It's like, does how does that change the game? But I remember like scoring the first play. I mean, that's an unbelievable way to start the game because like you're just like, what you're like, because you know they're number one. I don't know what we were ranked at the time. Probably we were probably pretty high though. Yeah. Because it was like it was probably like a one four, like a one five matchup. But like you know they're favored in our stadium. But you know you go out, run the ball the first play, take it however far and score. It's like what's up? We're here. Let's do this, and then you're just rolling. So, yeah, they were actually ranked third, and you guys are ranked fifth. Okay, three, third three versus five. Yeah, yeah. So seven thirty in Notre Dame Stadium. I mean, yeah. in November under the lights. Yeah, unbelievable. Absolutely. As we get ready to let you go, and we appreciate you giving us time today, Robert. What's yeah, your favorite moment on campus? Uh, I, I'm so interested by this because we get so enthralled by. It what you guys accomplish on the field. For me, I try to explain to people, when you walk the Notre Dame campus, it's almost like you feel the history. Like it's just, it's in the air. Like it's, it's hard to explain. And I'm like walking around the stadium and I'm like walking in between the buildings and I'm like thinking about all the people in American history or world history that have actually walked the same path. Yeah. It's, it's really something to really experience. One one thing I never did was walk. I never, which I didn't do this on purpose, but I kind of realized that it's a good thing. I never really like walked with like AirPods in or listened to music, just because I think I didn't feel like putting them putting it together, which takes three seconds. But like I just walk, I just start walking. But I realized like I'm glad I don't do that. Like whenever I walked around campus, I tried to take in campus. Yeah, I miss campus. Like I I really need to get. I hope to get back for the spring game because I really I really love it there. And like my girlfriend is. A fifth generation Notre Dame graduate, like her family's been like a part of Notre Dame for a long time, and we met there, which is cool. And so, you know, thinking about her grandparents and great grandparents going there, mm. and like like you said, the history behind it, getting to go. I remember like you get to go for one of the classes, you get to go to Ted Hesburgh's office in the library. It's the top of the library. And like that's an unbelievable experience because it's kind of still sitting there exactly the same as he had it. As people would go and like her dad went to Notre Dame when Ted Hesburgh was the president, and so like and she he would tell stories about like how cool he was, and he would just like say say hello to everyone. He talked to you. His door was always open. Like people would just go in and talk to him as the president yeah. of the university. Um, I loved going to the grotto because that was like like it might be Notre Dame cliche, but I don't really care because like you go there and like especially like if it's night and quiet and no one's there and you can just kind of sit and reflect and just take it in. I remember like I went right before I left for like the last time before I was like going, I guess probably going home and didn't know like when I was going to come back or I guess after pro day probably, or right after that Rose Bowl game, we got back and I remember like it was like done. I was like, this is it. And I went to the grotto before I left and I was like driving down that road and I was like, Oh my God. God, I was like bawling, crying. I was like, Fuck, wow, this is gonna be, I'm, I'm gonna miss it. And I really do. It's an, it's an unbelievable place. There's so many great people there that you just come and come in contact with that, like, don't have to be great people, but they just are. Like, I remember when we were all staying at Morrison during COVID, like, the whole team was there. Yeah. And like, the people running the valet, like, stop and talk to them every day for like five minutes, just in unbelievable people, things like that, that I don't necessarily know are other places um, because you haven't experienced other places, but I have experienced Notre Dame and I know that stuff's there. And and that's what makes it the most special place in the world to me. Yeah. The best way I could describe it is it's a very angelic place. Yeah. It's just a very angelic place. I remember the first time I went there to cover, 
Marcus Freeman's introductory press conference uh, mm -hmm. for the spring, leading up to the spring, not when he was introduced, but when he came back after the bowl game. And I got there extra early because I had to drive down from Chicago. And I walk up and this guy, I know Joe is the man, he's the best guy. He's standing there at the gate. And we're talking because I'm like maybe an hour early. And he's looking at me. And he sees me looking down at the field, right? And the field still has a little snow on it. And I'm looking yeah. down the tunnel. And he keeps looking at me. He keeps looking at me. So after he catches me like the third time, he's like, go ahead and walk down. And I looked at him. Man, my eyes got big. And I was like, are you sure? He was like, go ahead. And I was like, I'm about to walk down. I was like, I'm about to walk down this tunnel. This is crazy. And walk onto the field. So it's angelic, man. And the people around it, yeah. they support that. You know, the way they treat you and the way they make the way they make you feel around that campus is the absolute best. Robert Hainsey, LL Nation. He joined us today. Great stories on Harry Heastan, what's needed for Joe Rudolph and that offensive line to take the next step forward and continue that greatness. We appreciate you guys. Look, I just want to let you know, I'm gonna throw it out there now. We do a players lounge where Malik, a players only lounge where Malik talks to the players by himself. I'm not on the screen. We already did one with the running backs and wide receivers. We have to get one where it's like you, Q, Mike, and Ronnie, and just offensive line guys just talking about carrying on awesome. that tradition. Let's do it, man, because I know you guys have some off time. You'll be doing some traveling. Let's try and get to it maybe around the blue and gold game. Like that would be awesome. guys, yeah, absolutely. So Hopefully we'll I'll I'll, get up there. I hope I can get up there. It'll be it'll be great. Absolutely. Robert, have a great day, man. Stay safe. Thanks, brother. You're down in Texas, so I know you're gonna eat good. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Have a good one. I appreciate y'all having me on. And appreciate you, Robert. Once again, LL Nation, Robert Hainsey, right here on the Lucky Lefty podcast. He talked about the legacy of Harry Heastan. He talked about the hiring of Joe Rudolph, and he talked about the pressure on Joe Rudolph to fill those shoes, and also what the veteran offensive linemen like Zeke Carell, Blake Fisher, and Joe Alt have to do to make sure that the transition and the level of excellence continues on going into the 2023 season. But he also talked about some great moments and some great games during his time. He also talked about what it was like as a freshman being mentored by Mike McGlinchey and also Quentin Nelson. So once again, go and listen to it. If you joined us late, go and rewind right now. We don't mind. Man, we come to give you the best with the Lucky Lefty podcast. We are the home of the misguided passion, but we also make sure that we spin it different. Oh, 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 oh,